Racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, bigoted, Islamophobes. How are you, people? I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message. And in case you didn't hear about it, there was a presidential debate last night. And this thing was pretty much a disaster on all fronts. If anyone that you watch on YouTube or on mainstream media or someone that you might listen to their podcast or your neighbor or your mother or anyone else, tells you that they gleaned anything out of that thing that made them feel better about the future of the country or made them feel that uh, that this is the right format for getting forth ideas that are gonna help lead us into the next decade and to the next century, that person is an idiot. Um, so we're gonna be deciphering some of the, the craziest stuff that happened from last night. Uh, I did do a post-debate show last night, which was viewed already over 500,000 times. It's got over 500,000 views on YouTube. So I am glad to see that people are starting to wake up or there has been a mass awakening. People are tuning out of mainstream media as you should. It is almost all complete nonsense. I am a guy in my office with my one producer right there. My dog is the executive producer, Clyde. He's outside right now. And uh, my director who's working remote. And I'm just telling you what I think, and I think that you're probably gonna feel a little better about the world, or at least make a little, you'll have a little more sense about what just happened. I mean, good God, that was insane last night. And then I would say the only thing more insane than the debate itself and, and the fighting and the screaming and the, you're a racist and just all of the usual nonsense. Like it almost felt like all the stuff that we've been talking about for the last couple of years, it, was all, it all just like burst forth into like this orgy of just grossness, not a good orgy, you know what I mean? Like an orgy could be good, but not a good orgy. It was just like a gross orgy, like an orgy that people were like, ah, that's too much. It was just a lot of that. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna decipher all that. I got a couple clips. Obviously, we're gonna play Trump's response on the white supremacist question, and I wanna play some stuff that might give it, uh, if you're a journalist out there watching, you might wanna do what I'm about to do. We're gonna give it context. Uh, that's when you sort of, frame something within a larger period of time so that people have a better sense of what is really happening. So we're gonna play that. We'll do the, the critical race theory one. There was a, a line, because I can get almost anything to reference back to Star Wars. There was a line that Joe Biden said that was very Emperor Palpatine-ish. So we're gonna to get to that and a bunch more. But this Rubin Report direct message is brought to you by Second Thoughts. This is a new board game that they sent us a couple of weeks ago and my team and I actually played a couple of days ago. We had a little bit of whiskey and if you're ever gonna play a board game, I recommend whiskey, not if you're, not if you're underage. I'm talking about for you adults out there that, uh, that do play board games. And Second Thoughts is this year's new favorite party game that's sure to be a hit with all your friends on family game night. The play of the game calls for each team to quickly create a list of words for their opponents to decipher, leading to hilarious bepuzzlement and laughter. Bepuzzlement, that's a word. Simply put, it's a classic word guessing game with a unique twist that allows players to personalize content with their voluminous sense of word smithery or just their witty and warped imaginations. Each round of second thoughts is a hilarious high-speed attempt to stump the other team. Both teams create a list of five things using letters revealed from the colored dice. 
Be witty and wise, but don't take too long because time is of the essence. Michael, you've got to scroll for me. It's not on your side. The amount of time it takes your team to create the list is exactly how much time your opponents guess, get to guess them. Second thoughts, the quick thinking versus fast talking party game. I did a little fast talking right here. Get yours today at secondthoughtsthegame.com, secondthoughtsthegame.com or at your local Target store. And now let's get to the news. And by the way, the second thoughts guys, the reason that they wanted to sponsor the direct message is because they're fans of the show. So this is one way we can fight cancel culture, right? It's like, if you've got an interesting product or service or whatever it might be, if, if you help support some of the shows that are getting the ideas you care about, um, then you've done a little something. So uh, show them some love and it really, it really is fun. Okay. Let's get to the debate. It, it, it was a debacle. Uh, the entire thing was a debacle. Even, you know, something's a debacle when even the partisans on both sides were like, that was rough. Now, for the most part, the real Trump people are saying Trump mopped up and you know, the real Biden people are saying Biden mopped up. Uh, but as I was saying last night, what you really want to figure out after a debate is did any of the undecided people, however many of them actually exist, but, and not only how many undecided people, but the undecided people who are actually going to vote. Because if you're undecided at this point, that means you're probably pretty apolitical, so that you may be less inclined to vote. But so how many of those people are then going to be moved? Now, it's, it's hard, I think, to have said you watch that debate. You didn't know who you were going to vote for. And suddenly you were like, you know, that guy, whoever it was, made a lot of sense and I'm definitely voting for them. Uh, so, you know, when you hear a lot of the post-game debate and it's this one won, like that's not really what the question is. Like someone obviously can win a debate, but what does that actually translate to in the real world? Okay, so I want to throw to a couple clips. Uh, and the, this is the, the first one is the most important one because this seems to be what the media narrative is that Trump did not condemn white supremacy. So we're gonna do two things here. Um, and I cannot believe that I have to do journalism. I'm not a journalist, I'm just some guy. But we're gonna do two things here. We're gonna play the exact clip, and then I'm gonna actually show you the text because there was a lot of crosstalk, and it was a little hard to decipher exactly what was going on. So we're gonna play the clip, and I'm gonna show you the text. I'll read it back to you slowly, so you can decide for yourself what did Trump do? Did he not condemn white supremacy? Did he condemn white supremacy? What the hell high, what the high hell happened? So here is the, the white supremacy question from last night's debate. You have repeatedly we criticized the, the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist right. groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups yeah. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha, and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, you, you what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right boys. White supremacists and right boys. Stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem. This is, this is a left-wing. This is a left-wing Okay, so it's a little messy, particularly at the end of the clip, but now I want to throw up the actual text of what was said, and I'm just going to reread it for you, and I think if you actually see it, and if I kind of reread it without the crosstalk, 
I think it might kind of help. So Wallace, are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups? Trump, sure. Okay, so that kind of sounds like he might have condemned white supremacist groups. Wallace, and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Trump, sure, I'm prepared to do it, but I would say almost everything I see is from left wing, not from the right wing. I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Wallace, then do it, sir. Biden, do it, say it. Trump, what do you want to call them? Give me a name. Wallace, white supremacists and right wing militias. Biden, proud boys. Trump, proud boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, somebody's gotta do something about Antifa and the left. Okay, so this clip obviously is the one where everybody's saying Trump refused to condemn the white supremacists. Now, first, let me just say this. Trump's mistake here was because he, he actually is a student of the media. If Trump's a student of anything, it's of the media. So if Trump wanted to just save himself a headache, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and when you're on the fly and there's a lot of crosstalk, it can be difficult to do. Trump almost needed to just repeat the question. Like if you remember in fifth grade, you get like a, you get a test and they would ask you a question, they'd say, repeat the question and then give the answer. Um, Trump almost needed to say, will I condemn the white supremacists? I will condemn the white supremacists. This is me, Donald J. Trump, right now condemning all the white supremacists. Now, I'm not saying that that would have solved all of this because nothing ever solves all this. And we've, you, we've so degraded the word racist that you, once you throw it on somebody, it's just become meaningless. So half the time when they call someone a racist, I'm like, oh, that person obviously isn't a racist. And Biden, by the way, did call him a flat out racist in the midst of it. We'll get to that in a little bit on the critical race, uh, uh, critical race theory stuff. So look, did Biden condemn the white supremacists? The first thing he said was sure, so he did. Um, now he did not say the exact sentence. And then at the end, so I think what everyone's getting hung up on is this Proud Boys thing, because Chris Wallace, who I don't envy his position as, a, as an interviewer and a moderator, I don't really envy it. I would gladly do the job, I really would. And I, I would try the best I could to be impartial and everything else. But there was such chaos and, and crosstalk. And this, this actually wasn't even, one of the moments that really got out of hand. But Chris Wallace in the question never asked anything about the Proud Boys. I, I don't even feel like I need to talk about the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys aren't the ones burning down the cities. These, these are Antifa and BLM associated groups that are burning down the cities. We all know this, we've all seen a zillion of the videos and no matter what Joe Biden says, Antifa is not just an idea and an idea doesn't burn down a city. People burn down cities, people burn down buildings, people stop traffic and don't let people pass. People punch people and, and assault people at restaurants and, and a bunch of other stuff, not just an idea. So if we had an honest media, an honest media would be doing two things right now. They'd be honestly looking at what Trump's response was. Do you condemn white supremacy? The first thing he said was, sure. Then it devolved into this thing where it got caught up in, well, what do you want me to call it? Um, and then I think when Biden said Proud Boys, Trump's mistake was addressing that instead of just saying, he should have just flat out said, I condemn white supremacists, that's it. He should have said, I've done it before. I did it after Charlottesville. We'll get to that clip in a second. I've done it before and I'll do it again. So look, of course the media is running with this thing because it, it fits their narrative perfectly. And I think the Proud Boys thing really confused it. And I also think that Trump's lines stand back and stand by. I'm not, I just don't even know what he meant there. Was he really telling Proud Boys? I, I'm not even totally sure what Proud Boys is, but like, was he really telling this group he will stand back 
and stand by, like meaning you'll have to do something at some point, like he's more than happy to, to use the government, uh, to use the feds, to use the National Guard if necessary. I don't think Trump needs a group, the Proud Boys or any other group to do his dirty work. It's just not like that. That's actually quite different than what's happening on the left where Biden really is refusing to condemn Antifa. Antifa is the one actually causing violence right now and he won't even say that they're an organization and we know that they're obviously an organization. So oddly, I think th this morning all the clips were about is Trump a racist. I think the Biden team and the messaging and the media because they can't control themselves, they sort of overshot the target here and they went in so deep on this that now it's gonna start coming out that, wait a minute, Antifa is just an idea and Trump actually did, if you watch the clip, condemn the white supremacy stuff, even if he did it in a slightly butchered way. I mean, the guy speaks in a stilted manner. It's just, it's just how it is. But I wanna show another clip because Joe Biden said at a different point during this that the entire reason he got into the race, because remember, he didn't get in four years ago, right? He was the VP at the time. He could have got in. That would have generally been the time to, to get in, right? That's what Al Gore did uh, after Bill Clinton. That's what uh, George H.W. Bush did after Ronald Reagan, et cetera. That would have been the time. But he said he didn't get in then. He did get in this time because of Trump and Charlottesville and white supremacy. That was the whole point of his campaign. And by the way, when, when Biden launched his campaign, that's exactly what he said, that it was because of the white supremacist stuff that happened after Charlottesville. So now I'm gonna show you a video that the mainstream, I am not a freaking journalist. But I'm gonna show you a video that, that mainstream media refuses to show. And you tell me if Trump condemned the white supremacists at Charlottesville or not. Let's throw to the clip. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them Absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You, got a, you had a lot of bad, you had a lot of bad people in the other group too. Unfairly, sir, I'm sorry, I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly? No. I just didn't understand what you were saying. No. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, they were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day it looked like they had some rough, bad people, neo-Nazis, uh, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this, there are two sides to a story. I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country, a horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. Okay, I really, really hope that you've seen that clip already. I, I hope uh, that you've seen that and that you will share that clip or you'll send this very video to people that are completely confused by this, who still believe that Donald Trump, Trump said there are good people on both sides. What he was referring to, he first said, the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists should be condemned totally. He later, after the question, said that they are bad people. What he was talking about when he said both sides, 
is that there are people on both sides of the debate as to what you would do about a Robert E. Lee statue and that some of the protesters actually had permits to be there. And by the way, you may not like people who want Robert E. Lee statues to be up there, but they're allowed to protest for it the same way you're allowed to protest against it. So why will they not show that clip on CNN? Jake Tapper, you're, you're the last guy there with a flickering sense of, of uh, decency, as far as I can tell, show the clip. Show the clip, why am I doing your job? Um, Brian Stelter, Wolf Blitzer, any of you people, show, Lemon, show the, just show that clip and let people decide whether Trump was for the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists, which he said he condemns totally. Now, the reason that this is important, this isn't me carrying water for Trump, this is that the media refuses to tell you the truth. And if the media is gonna keep refusing to tell you the truth, well, you're gonna keep tuning out of that and tuning into things like this. Um, but then that becomes even more dangerous because we're all gonna keep going to our silos. And as I've been saying for a while, we basically have a war on reality right now because people just pick what they pick, what they believe is true based on preconceived notions. And at some level you can't blame them because the media is just so incredibly crappy. On top of everything else, uh, then the Biden team from the official at Joe Biden Twitter account, they tweeted out this thing today about Joe, about uh, Trump refusing to condemn white supremacy. And they put a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse, who is the kid in uh, Kenosha. We did a video on him last week. And there, as far as I know, there is no evidence that this kid, whether he did the right thing or wrong thing, let the people decide. And we, I'm happy to discuss that further. And it seems like it's much more complex than the media was originally allowing. But as far as I know, there is no evidence that this kid is a white supremacist, okay? So uh, I, think, I think Biden may have really, really stepped in it on that one. And, if, and it sounds like this kid has a pretty good legal team and he should definitely be looking into a defamation lawsuit or something else like that. But we just let people say these phrases, you're a racist, you're, you're a white supremacist, as if it has no meaning and they're just dis absolutely destroying lives. So again, I hope you share this clip. If, if that was news to you or if it's news to somebody that you know and we all have these people in our families and our friends, uh, it's important for context. It's, it's just important for context. So Trump said sure last night, did he butcher it by not saying a full sentence? I absolutely condemn white supremacy. Yeah, Rob Smith, by the way, who's been on the show a couple of times, um, he set out a nice little Twitter thread uh, of, of, of the series of times that Trump has condemned racism and anti-Semitism and the rest of it. And it's like, the, again, the media, stop thinking that CNN is a news organization. Stop thinking that MSNBC is a news organization. If you, if you stop thinking that, you can see the the, the you can see reality a lot clearer. And, and this is what the red pill is, right? When people say, well, you took the red pill, you swallowed the red pill, this is what it is. When you see reality as it is, not as the media is force feeding it to be. All right, I wanna go to, uh, to clip number three. They started talking about socialism. That is a hot button issue these days, and let's take it away. Your party wants a, to go socialist medicine. My party is and me. Socialist right now, I am and the And they're going to dominate party. you, Joe. You know that. I am the Democratic Party right now. The platform of the Not Democratic Party Harris. is what I, in fact, approved of. I am the Democratic Party right now. All right, my Star Wars people, what does that remind you of? Remember Palpatine? Remember Revenge of the Sith, which I think is the most underrated of all Star Wars movies. I think you can make a solid argument that it's the third best after uh, Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope. I think you could put Sith as number three. 
what did Emperor Palpatine say when Mace Windu and the other three Jedi showed up to arrest him when they found out that he was the Sith? I am the Senate. That's what he said. And Joe Biden, I am the Democratic Party. And that little sleight of hand that he's doing there, it, it's an interesting move because I am the Democratic Party. Well, the Democratic Party uh, seems to me, the future of the Democratic Party seems to be AOC. It seems to be Ilhan Omar. It seems to be Rashida Tlaib, these really radical leftists. Now, if Joe Biden, you are the future, are the Democratic Party, then why are you so afraid of speaking out against these people? And, and the simple truth is he knows that he's basically the last vestige of some sort of moderate Democrat. Um, and, and he can't really stop this thing. He can't stop this thing. Even last night, you know, he came out, he said, I'm not for the Green New Deal. I've got my own deal. On his own website, it says he's for the Green New Deal. But he knows he can't really, he knows the Green New Deal is nonsense and it's an entire rejiggering of our economy and it's insanely expensive and cow farts and all of this nonsense. He knows that, but he can't turn against the bad guys. He's, he's basically, he has a deal with the devil in place because the deal with the devil is Bernie and, and the socialists. Bernie and the socialists, it would be a good name for a, a doo-wop group in the 50s. Bernie and the socialists uh, basically I think in effect have said, you want our support? Well, then you're gonna have to do all these things. And Biden, look, usually what happens in a primary is that a, in, in either side of a primary, right? When you're, when you're on the Republican side, you have to move more, uh, I'll do it this way. When you're on the Republican side, you have to move more to the right, right? During the primary process, because you gotta get the base going. And then usually what happens as a candidate is you moderate more to the center. And on the left, you go more to the left. And that's what happened this time, obviously, and then you moderate more to the center. So Biden is doing the move that they always do. The issue is he's not the Democratic Party. Like it ain't, there's just no truth to it anymore. Where are the rest of the moderate voices? Please show me the list of moderate Democratic voices that believe in anything that goes against the big government socialist stuff. I mean, they just don't exist. So it's, it's a little trickery, basically, that, that Biden is doing there. Um, I don't think, though, that Trump hit it hard enough. I, I don't. Trump, Trump's problem last night. I said this. I said this in my uh, post-debate wrap-up. Trump's problem last night is he came out very hostile and aggressive. And you know, four years ago, when he came out hostile and aggressive, he was this insurgent guy. You know, it's like I remember a, a tweet that I sent out going uh, right before one of the debates. And remember that scene in Mad Max Fury Road when there all the cars are on the road and there's the guy playing the guitar and there's flames coming out of it. And I used that gif. And I was like, that's Trump going to the debate. And it was kind of funny and, and whatever. I wasn't, I wasn't voting for Trump uh, at that time. But there was like this insurgent, like sort of rock feeling to the whole thing or whatever. Trump coming out so angry and indignant last night, I think it doesn't work this time because now he's the president, right? So when you're the outsider and you're coming in, I'm gonna drain the swamp, I'm gonna do all this stuff. Well then, okay, you, you, can, you can be kind of angry and indignant and meme and all of that stuff. When you're the president, I think he needed to come off as more presidential. That's not necessarily in a, in a battle, his strong suit. And I know a bunch of you are gonna say, but he's also fighting the media. And I think that's totally legit. And I'm not the president, right? So I, I can give you the best analysis that I can, but I, I'm not the one up there having to, to fight that monster. But I think he's gonna have to at least, at least think about dialing some of it back. Because I think what Trump's plan was, basically was, I'm gonna just attack the hell out of Biden right up front, knowing 
that Biden, when he gets flustered, starts losing his words and getting confused and everything else. And somehow it didn't happen to Biden last night, right? So for all of you uh, that have seen all the clips of Biden forgetting things and screwing up numbers and seemingly confused as to where he is and everything else, well, I don't know if what they juiced him up with or what the hell happened, but he, whether, or he just slept, you know, he's called 11 lids in September, meaning that basically at 10 a.m. he shuts down for the day. So maybe the guy just freaking slept and slept and slept and slept and they gave him a couple, uh, a couple brain supplements they got on Amazon and they threw him out there. But although he lied a lot and he called Trump a racist and the worst president in US history and, and he shut up, man, and, and he was rude and all of those things. And you know that, doesn't, that seems more out of character for him than it would be for Trump, let's say. But the problem is that the bar was set so low. And I said this in my pre-debate uh, coverage yesterday. The bar was set so low that all Biden had to do was not implode up there, and then he could be sort of framed as the winner. And he didn't implode. That's the thing. Did he lie? And will the media? Yes. Will the media call him out on it? Not really. Um, but Trump is going to have to. Trump is going to have to basically rethink his strategy. That if you can't knock him out with that first punch, like if you think about it as a boxing match, right? You know, depends what your strategy is. Some guys want the long game. Some guys go for the kill. I think Trump is more of like a Mike Tyson. If you remember Mike Tyson boxing way back when, he went in just to maul and kill everybody in the first round, and he often did it. There's this incredible fight versus Michael Spinks that I'm sure some of you guys remember. He would scare the hell out of everybody, just beat the crap out of them, and that would be it. That was what I think his plan was. And then when it wasn't working, I think he got increasingly frustrated. And, and I think Chris Wallace, as I said before, in some ways Trump was debating two on one, but it was also because he was so over the top in his in the jabs and, and the attacks that I think Wallace felt he had to be a little more on Biden's side or something like that. None of this is a, is a perfect science. I wanna jump in and then I'm gonna do a couple questions. We're gonna go a little long today. Um, uh, when the question came up about critical race theory, which is obviously very big, but, but many people watching the debate are just hearing about it for the first time. This month, your administration uh, directed federal agencies to end racial sensitivity training that addresses white privilege or critical race theory. Why did you decide to do that, to end racial sensitivity training? And do you believe that there is systemic racism in this country, sir? I ended it because it's racist. I ended it because a lot of people were complaining that they were asked to do things that were absolutely insane, that it was a radical uh, revolution that was taking place in our military, uh, in our schools, all over the place, and you know it, and so does what, everybody what, what else. Radical, and he would know. Uh, what is oh, radical totally about racist. racial sensitivity training? Sir. If you were a certain person, you had no status in life. It was sort of a reversal. And if you look at the people, we were paying people hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach very bad ideas and, frankly, very sick ideas. And, and really, they were teaching people to hate our country. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Okay, so those of you that watch this show, you know a bit about uh, critical race theory. I just did a show that we released last week with Chris Rufo, who's one of the best scholars that we've got on this, dissecting what critical race theory is. I've talked to James Lindsay, um, who also is one of the great uh, thinkers on this and, and the disassemblers of what critical race theory is. But Chris Wallace was, was either really bad as a, as a moderator right there or was intentionally denying what the truth is. So Chris Wallace, if he's gonna ask the question about getting critical race theory out, what he's doing there is he's conflating it 
with ending racial sensitivity training, right? The implication being that we should have racial sensitivity training so people aren't racist. Well, most of us agree with that. And by the way, we don't have any laws in the United States that encourage racism. We don't have racist laws on the books. Of course, there are individual racists. Critical race theory is injecting race into everything. So Trump did answer that properly. It's a hard question to have to kind of answer on the fly very simply, but critical race theory is racist. If you want more quotas in government and with government contractors, and you want people to be hired because of their race and not because of their skill set and all of those things, then you should be for critical race theory. But you shouldn't be for critical race theory because it's antithetical to everything that the United States is all about. Okay, so Trump, I think his answer was fine, but Chris Wallace, Chris Wallace, do you not know what critical race theory is? Like Chris Wallace, why didn't you explain for a moment that critical race theory is not about racial sensitivity training, meaning we should treat all uh, people of all races equally? That's what we do. That's what we have laws that are passed and, and laws that are for equality, not equity. Equality, treat everyone equal. What happens to those people after? Well, it's a little, it's up to them and hard work and a little bit of luck and everything else that is the, the uh, gestalt of life, right? So that's what you need to be thinking about. And I think Chris Wallace to, to not, he either doesn't know it or intentionally conflated what it is. The implication being critical race theory will make people less racist. Why aren't you for it? Except it is making people more racist. It is injecting racism into the system. So it was, it was a faulty, it was a faulty question. And then, and then Trump, you know, went into his thing about that we should, instead of teaching 1619 project, we should be teaching 1776 project. The idea of being, you know, being proud of America. I think we could have a really interesting debate on uh, whether we should be, what level of patriotism we should be uh, encouraging, whether that should come from the federal government or state government and how we teach history without completely destroying history. I mean, those are all interesting discussions to have, but I don't think we're gonna to get to too much more of that in the rest of these debates. Anyway, um, oh, let me do a couple questions. I told you I'd do a couple questions and I'm a man of my word, so I will do a couple questions. So these are questions submitted at rubenreport.com and I have mentioned a couple times before, guys, Twitter has become such chaos and the YouTube comment section is, is uh, you know, you people are not well, frankly. Uh, so if you want to communicate with me directly, rubenreport.com, we're growing a really great community. It's completely troll-free and bot-free and the rest of it. And you can submit some questions. Um, Alexis says, Joe Biden appeared to be more cogent than usual. Do you think his calmer, more rational presence will gain him more voters and support? Well, that's what I referenced earlier, which is all he had to do was not implode to get a sort of default win. And I think he did accomplish that. He got very angry at times. He did the usual, you're a racist line, you're dumb, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, but he didn't lose himself. And I think that that caused Trump to keep doubling down on the, on the let me go after you, go after you, keep punching your thing. And I think Trump needed to, needed to think about um, some other methods to, to get to Biden. Um, will Trump or Biden change their strategies? This is from James. What strategies would you recommend for rounds two and three? So I think Trump should try something. Look, it's hard to tell Trump what to do because Trump accomplished the thing by becoming president that nobody thought he could do. So a bunch of pundits and think tank people who've never accomplished anything in their lives 
them all sitting up there saying, Trump must do this. Well, it's like, you never accomplished anything. The guy became freaking president of the United States. So he must have some insight into what he's doing, whether you, whether you like him or not, I think you have to acknowledge that. So it's a little hard to tell Trump what to do, but I, my, my general take is that I think more people right now, even the most ardent Trump supporter, would like to see him on the debate stage, perhaps a little more confident, a little more calm, not so quick to jump. He has a lot of things to be proud of related to the economy, especially before COVID and record low black and Hispanic un unemployment before COVID. And, uh, and oh, that, that Middle East peace thing, like that would be good. So I think there's a way to come off as a little more, you know, I've done some good stuff, you know, his best line, Trump's best line was, in, I've done more in 47 months, that's roughly four years, than you've done in 47 years. That's a great line. Like Biden, the idea that Biden is gonna fix any of the systemic racism or any of these things that apparently have been wrong with America for hundreds of years, he's been in government for 47 years. He, he's not gonna fix any of these things. Obviously, that's where Trump, I think, can shine. Uh, as for Biden, what Biden needs to do more, I don't think there's that much he needs to do more. He needs to make sure he doesn't have a mental collapse on stage and then the media will run cover for him so he can keep lying about very fine people on both sides and the media will run cover. So if this is just about strategy of how you can win, Biden, keep resting, just just you know rest, that, that's about it. Um, let's see, uh, I'll do, I'll do uh, two more quick ones here, I'm, I'm flipping real quick. Uh, who split the most voters from the other side? Biden with his claim that Trump caused the COVID deaths and was all around the worst president ever, or Trump by forcing Biden to take a stand in the Democratic Civil War? So that was Trump's move for sure, was trying to pit every moderate position that Biden would take to say, oh, you're gonna lose the left. And that's why Biden said the thing about, I am the Democratic Party. I think that was a, a pretty sly move by Trump to really just get him to throw the base under the bus. I don't know that it fully hit, but Trump definitely should keep going on that. Um, Biden claiming that all, you know, all these deaths are because of Trump. I don't think that landed because, you know, Trump was caught, was calling for the, the China travel lockdown. Um, and, uh, and what happened? Oh, there's a beautiful fact check on CNN about this. You, you can't make this shit up. I tweeted it this morning. Um, uh, the day that Trump called for the China travel ban, Biden called it xenophobic. CNN fact check it, fact check that, whether Biden called Trump xenophobic, and their fact check basically said something like, it's inconclusive because even though he called him xenophobic that exact day, he didn't say in the sentence that it was directly related to the travel China ban. It's like, man, you guys aren't even trying to try anymore. Could you just try to try? A little theater would be nice. You know, a little theater would just be nice. So I don't know that either one got any major wins there. And I'll do one more back. Um, let's see. Um, Dave, will you be moderator for one of these? I think the ship has sailed on that for this year, but I do think that watching these two guys, watching the format, it all feels old. It feels like this thing is just decaying and breaking down and the system ain't quite working right. And I do think that although it's not gonna happen, whether it was me, heaven forbid, or it was Joe Rogan or anyone else, it's not gonna happen this round. It's probably not gonna happen for midterms. Like people don't really care about debates during midterms like that. But I do think for the four years from now election, right? The 2024, when Trump runs for his third term because he won't step down, idiot. Um, 
when when that happens, I think it's going to be very, very different. I think the crop of candidates, it's, we're going to have YouTubers and celebrities and some politics people and authors and influencers and all of that for better or worse. And I think that the entire structure is going to have to modify. We're, we're just, when you think about the chaos right now, it's because we're in a time when the institutions and the structures, they, they got calcified and then your voice and YouTube and Twitter and real people and diverse thought, it came in, right? It's like this rush of pressure and, and water trying to burst through the ground, but the institutions are old and crumbled and they're just trying to hold this thing that they can't quite hold and it, and it is collapsing. And I'm not someone that wants all the institutions to burn because we need them to have a, a, a functional society. Um, so hopefully we can make some sense of any of this. Anyway, please share this video if you thought that what I said about the both sides thing of all uh, made any sense and you know somebody who doesn't realize that that actually is the truth. I hope uh, your heart is beating a little slower at the moment, unless you've got an irregularly slow heartbeat, in which a case I hope I juiced you a little bit. Uh, but I hope you're not feeling totally crazy about politics. Hope you maybe, maybe you laughed once or twice. Uh, I'm going to the dentist, so I'll see you guys later. And uh, have a good day. We'll be back tomorrow with another direct message at 11 a.m. Pacific. That's 2 p.m. Eastern. Oh, and I've got an interview with Megyn Kelly up this week, which you can find on our channel right now. Thank you and good luck.